say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's happening, Rush Nation? Episode 60 of the Five Yard College podcast. One of us is drinking tea. The other is drinking a bit of fizz on a Monday night. And Ash is the one with the cup of tea. Ash, are you feeling all right? Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fine. I just, you know, wanted to mix it up a bit and have a cup of tea rather than a beer on the podcast, you know? Is this because I've kept you waiting? I mean, listeners, we're breaking the fourth wall here. I've kept Ash waiting for an hour and a half. We've had friends around tonight. It's been lovely. I think I've managed to uh, convince someone to listen to the podcast, Ash. So, George, if you're listening, thanks for joining us. I'm still drinking the champagne. Um, George, by the way, Ash has absolutely no interest in American football whatsoever. So I think that this point is when they'll uh, they'll stop listening. But thanks, George. It was nice having you as a listener for, for about 90 seconds. How have you been, bud? I'm doing good. There's always time to pick up something new, though. So George might decide he likes it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I'm I'm not holding out much hope. How are things? Yeah, very good. Very good. You know, just keeping busy with work and alike. What about you? Not so bad. We um, went out for our anniversary last night. So we went to uh, went out in Liverpool. We left the kids with the grandparents, and that was that was nice. Um, but you just sort of, you, you, it's a little bit like kid in a sweet shop, <laughs> you know, a night without the kids and you're thinking, right, do I go crazy and regret it the next day? And actually what I found myself valuing wasn't the ability to go out and have a couple of drinks, but it was, it was to be able to have a nap. I went to bed at five o'clock, had a lovely nap for an hour, back out, had something to eat, a couple more drinks, went to a comedy gig and then back for another full night's sleep. So it wasn't the drink I was chasing. It was it was a, it was a full night's sleep. But yeah, it was nice. It was it was good to to do something different. And it was a bit quieter on a Sunday night as well. So yeah, it was not wasn't too bad. How, how times have changed once kids are involved, eh? Oh no, I know that that one night of freedom. But you, you know, it makes you uh, it makes you appreciate those those nights out. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, definitely. I'm thinking back to to when I was when I was just turned eighteen. I worked in a bar in Bolton. And the only nights out I could do were Tuesday and Thursday. Every other night I was working behind the bar. And when I think to doing those Tuesday, Thursday nights in an empty town centre, drinking awful alcohol for like 99p, no thanks. Ah, they were the best days, come on. We all miss them really as much as we don't want to admit it. I, I, I miss it, but I'd last about 30 seconds. You know, if, if 18-year-old me was to come knocking on the front door and say, it's Tuesday night, do you want to come out and drink VK for <laughs> 99p a bottle? I'd probably last 90 minutes. Give me a pub all day. Yeah. Now now you're starting to sound old, and it's supposed to be my job to be the, the, the old, dour, bitter one. That's true. So what's what's going to happen? If you if you get old, what, what happens to me? Just change the podcast to two 
reasonably grumpy old man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Re- I do not accept reasonably grumpy because I've been called a lot worse. Let's dive into some news. Uh, Ash, as always, I, I thought I'd done a, a decent job with the news and then left it in your capable hands and all of a sudden there's a huge <sighs> buckler of work to, to get through. I thought it'd been a quiet week in, in college football, but apparently not. Apparently not. I've just not been looking in the right places. Uh, we start off with some some very sad news, and it was news that we brought to you a few weeks ago. Uh, Bobby Bolden has sadly passed away. Uh, we we spoke, Ash, a couple of weeks ago about um, his terminal illness, and he has passed away after uh, fighting pancreatic cancer. He is undoubtedly a legend of the game, Ash, and I think we, we covered that in, in good detail the last time he was on. Yeah, you you noted that his son was able to take leave from UL Monroe as as head coach there to spend time with his father and and be there in his in his final days, um, which is priceless for, to to both Terry and, and to Bobby. Just a reminder: he Bobby Bowden has the second most wins in college football history, more than three hundred and fifty career wins, twelve ACC titles, two national championships, two Heisman winners an incredible career and, and a very well-liked head coach. Yeah, he'll be sorely, sorely missed in the community and, and everything that's been going out on social media over the last few days since this came out was just shows how much he was loved uh, all across the community. Uh, so obviously a massive, massive loss and our, our thoughts go to his family. Absolutely. Couldn't have put it better myself. Missouri have a new athletic director, and it's the second female AD in the SEC. In 2020, Vanderbilt hired Candace Lee, and Mizzou have announced the appointment of Desiree Reed-Francois into her role there. Sticking with the SEC, Greg Sankey has agreed to a contract extension till at least 2026. Uh, Greg Sankey at the minute, Ash, is probably uh, one of the most influential individuals in all of college football, uh, we now know that he will see Texas and Oklahoma join, but you would imagine and expect that he'll be there beyond that contract date, the way the way things are headed for the SEC. Oh, I'd say so. Yeah, certainly. It's going to take a lot for, for, for him to leave that role. This this extension puts him almost bang in the middle of this. Uh, all these expansions. 2024 is obviously what we're looking at. The 2025 to 6 season, yeah. in fact, is when yeah. Texas and Oklahoma will be will be moving over so you can't imagine he's going to move on in the first season that that happens so yeah I think we were we'll probably have Sankey for quite a while two um pieces of disappointing news I think we can put it put it that way first of all USC wide receiver Brew McCall has been temporarily removed from the team he has been arrested and he has been accused of um, partner violence and you can imagine that if those allegations do turn out to be true, that will be the end of Brew McCoy's career. Clemson cornerback Fred Davis was also arrested last week. Uh, on the 1st of August, he surrendered to police. He was wanted for reckless driving. He was involved in a car crash on the 21st of July. He was driving 115 miles per hour and left the other driver with some severe injuries. Davis is currently facing an internal investigation from the Clemson programme. Yeah, the the the, the crash that, that Davis was involved in, one, as you said, one person was left with severe injuries, but it, it was a mul- it ended up being multiple cars that was involved because of of his reckless driving. He hit 
a mail carrier truck, I believe, and that then resulted in m- more 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 collisions. So, but it's good. I mean, obviously, it's it's not a good scenario, but it's good to see that he surrendered himself to the police um, after his arrest warrant was issued. But I can imagine we're probably not going to see Davis on the field for Clemson anytime soon, regardless of what happens to his uh, situation. I suspect the program will. We'll take. We'll do some. As I say, they're doing the internal investigation. I suspect the suspension will be coming regardless. I think they set the standard with with the Derry on Kendrick situation, and it was quite clear that Kendrick and his time at, at Clemson was up, and, and and that was in similar though not the same circumstances. So you would imagine that they would they would behave in a in a similar way, depending on how the the police investigation goes. But it, it seems as though if he's given himself up, that uh, he will he will plead guilty and then. The relevant action will be taken. We've got some uh, some injury news from Baton Rouge. Um, you you may have seen listeners because this is this is almost a full week ago now. Miles Brennan has suffered a significant arm injury, believed to be a broken arm. The injury occurred on the Monday, and he had surgery the next day, which Brennan said went well. And Max Johnson is to take over as the starting quarterback. Max Johnson might have a new receiver in the form of Derek Stingley Jr. So Ed Orgeron has confirmed that in fall practice, he will get some snaps on offense. And if all goes well, he'll see time there on the field this season. Ash, why on earth would Derek Stingley, who we, who we have said is the second best player in all of college football, undoubtedly the best cornerback in his class, a top five draft pick, pretty much nailed on. Why on earth does he want to go and play wide receiver at this stage? Well, it, it's a, it's an interesting situation. It, Oregon has come out and um, Audron, sorry, has come out and obviously said it is up to Stingley, but he wants to to see him play on offense. He's had two years in in the cornerback position and has performed exactly as expected. He did play a bit of wide receiver at high school, and uh, so he has got the the knowledge of that. But it, yeah, it's weird for to see such a top athlete being advertised as potentially going onto the offense. But if anyone can do it, Stingley is the man that can do it. And and from what we're from reports that we're seeing, both him and his father, who's his agent, are are quite keen on the idea. So it's an odd scenario this late into his college career pretty much as you say nailed on as a top 5 draft pick and the top cornerback in the class to want to move over to offense even if it's for a, a couple of games or, or or just practice it's yeah it's it's an odd situation you don't see it very often he he should be mastering his craft now it's his junior year he knows he's the best cornerback in football all he needs to do is he needs to go and have a Jeff Akuda year yeah. and he's he's a nailed on top 5 pick so why why this is happening, I don't know. I really do not know. And I, and I can absolutely believe that he was a great wide receiver in high school because quite often you guys in high school playing on both sides of the ball and, and cornerbacks and wide receiver can, can be can be an interchangeable position because to know one position is to, to understand the other because, mm-hmm. of course, the cornerback is trying to shut down the receiver. But yeah, that Stingley, just, just master your craft. Prove to everyone you're the best cornerback in football, which which many, many people believe. And just live, you know, live the dream on that thirty million rookie deal in the NFL. This, this for me is 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 bizarre. If he lines up at receiver, it wouldn't surprise me because you've, as you've said, Ash, that you know he sounds keen. But I don't know. I, I, I don't think I'm a fan of that. But we'll see what happens there with with Derek Stingley, best cornerback in college football, now flirting with the idea of being a receiver. 
Let's talk about COVID. There isn't enough COVID talk in this world, Ash. No. You asked me. I think, you know, we've, we've ignored the issue for too long, so let's talk about it. Lane Kiffin has confirmed to the media that Ole Miss are 100% vaccinated across all players, coaches, staff, and everyone involved in practice. Well done, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss for that one. And sticking with COVID, uh, the Florida Gators will be spending their training camp in a hotel to combat the spread of the virus. An outbreak on the programme began on Friday. Florida does seem to be the COVID capital of the world right now. So it's probably the right idea to, to isolate those players from the wider world. We talked about some, some injuries before, particularly with Miles Brennan. Here's some good news. Uh, two significant injuries that occurred last year. First of all, Clemson's Justin Ross didn't appear at all in 2020. He has been fully cleared by the medics to play in 2021. And Miami's Derek King is back in full practice too after the ACL tear in last year's bowl game. So Ash, Derek King back sooner than expected. Justin Ross on track. Great to see these two guys ready to, to go for the ACC season next week. Couple of weeks, yeah. But no, definitely great timing. And, and great for me that Ross has been fully medically cleared after I planted my flag on him last week. See, the redemption starts here. <laughs> Um, what's this about Derek King and an ice hockey team? Yeah, so uh, I don't know if it was today or, or I think it was it was today that the news came out. Derek King has signed with the Florida Panthers, the, the national hockey team, uh, not as a player, though, uh, but as the first Florida athlete in the name, image and likeness program. So essentially, he signed a contract with them to appear at their games, uh, events, and work closely with the Panthers digital and social media teams to engage with the fan base all across South Florida, uh, along with a merchandise collection as well. So it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting contract and endorsement that's been put together. And I recommend people go and have a bit more of an in-depth read because there's a whole load of spiel about it. But it was quite surprising to see two different sports joining together in this way with one player in particular but it just shows the power that this name image and likeness has outside of the game it seems it seems to be for Derek King a no-brainer right it seems to be the case of turn up in Florida Panthers gear and we'll pay you to do it yeah exactly Hmm. do you know what with each story that comes out Ash the name image and likeness changes I, I am starting to rethink them I was all for it at the start and now I'm thinking you could quite easily end up it. I was going to say end up in some corrupt situations. I know this happens already, but I guess we're just seeing it now and, and it's sort of being flaunted rather than being done behind the scenes. But it seems to me that for Derek King, turn up at the game, send a couple of tweets and, and you'll get your money. Yeah. Good work if you can get it. Good work if you can get it. And so we'll, we'll talk about the ACC, of course. Derek King will be playing there this year. Rumours the ACC is considering an expansion. Notre Dame is, of course, the obvious and preferred choice. ACC has a contract with Notre Dame for other college sports, and that runs through to 2036. But the Irish football team, of course, are currently independent. Um, If the Irish ever wanted to join a conference, the ACC gets first refusal, and the school would have to pay the stiff financial penalty of $150 million dollars to go elsewhere. So if Notre Dame was to ever align itself with a conference, as it did last year with the ACC, it's going to be the ACC. 
But Ash, does the conference need Notre Dame more than Notre Dame needs the ACC right now? Yeah, I'd say I'd say it definitely does. Uh, Notre Dame have, have made the name for themselves in recent history, barring last season, obviously, because of what was going on as the independent programme. They are one of the most successful teams in college and they don't officially stand with a conference. So I think the ACC would be be more in their favour for them to join because they're such a big name in the college game, uh, whereas Notre Dame really don't have any reason to. They make a, a great deal of money as an independent programme. So, it, But them, them being the team in the expansion would make the most sense because of the links, the tight links that they have as a, as a, as a, as a university and uh, being linked to the ACC already. But yeah, it, it would definitely benefit the ACC more than it would Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, if it was for me, if it was going to happen, it would have happened last year. You know, when when we had this temporary alignment with the ACC, and it was good to have Notre Dame in it, and and also good for the Irish to to compete as well as they did, and to take Clemson on. I mean, obviously, without Trevor Lawrence, it was much easier than than when he was COVID free. But Notre Dame in the ACC put up a, a great fight, had a great year, and probably proved the point that that some have made, which is that. The ACC needs them more than they need the ACC right now. Sticking with the ACC, another programme linked in a possible uh, expansion is West Virginia, currently a Big 12 school. We'll talk about Big 12 in just a moment. If West Virginia joined the ACC, they would, of course, face up every year against Virginia and Virginia Tech. So it would make for some good rivalry games. Staying in the Big 12, Kansas is reportedly set to announce a move to the Big 10. So we're talking about Texas and Oklahoma on its way out. West Virginia, possibly to the ACC, Kansas to the Big Ten. That would leave just six teams in the Big 12. Ash, it sounds like it's time for the commissioner to panic. Yeah, I mean, we we said this last week, didn't we? That um, it's realistic that the Big 12 could fold completely uh, and they, they merge with another conference or their teams all expand off into different conferences and the Big 12 just doesn't exist anymore. It, it seems week and week that that is, that is a real possibility. Whether the NCC will allow that because losing one of the Power 5 conferences will mean a lot of lost revenue overall is another thing, as well as the commissioners. And there's the, we'll, we'll move on to that in a moment about the commissioners in particular, whether they would allow that is, is another question. I would say, again, like we mentioned last week, that we will probably see teams outside of the Power 5 conferences move into the Big 12 for it, rather, rather than it being disbanded completely, just purely because of the, the monetary, the, the financial implications on that for, for the NCC as a whole. So what I think you're referring to there is this rumoured merger with the Pac-12, isn't it? Yes, how close? How close is that to a reality? It, it's. I wouldn't say it's close. Um, the, what we're hearing, the the reports coming out and um, from from various sources, is that the com- both the commissioner of the Pac-12 and the um, and the Big Twelve have met to discuss the possibility of a full merger, or at the very least, entering a joint media contract, which would of course mean more money for both conferences if it was a joint media contract, and also an assurance to the Big 12. If they if they sign a media contract, they're not going anywhere. So I think having the Pac-12 as their sort of beneficiary, shall we say, or, or the merger would basically at least confirm their, 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 their future in the short term. A, a joint full-on merger, 
I would see that that's probably the better avenue for for them to go. But I can't imagine, as I said, that that the Pac-12, uh, sorry, that the Big Twelve or the NCAA would want to lose their status as in as their own conference. So it's it's very interesting, and it's as I say, it's expanding and and gaining traction and having various different bits added to it each week. So this is going to be going on for a very long time. Absolutely, we've said that last week, haven't we? That these these rumors are going to continue and. From my point of view, what I would do or what I would like to see happen in my dream scenario is like a a great Texas and Oklahoma, two fingers up to those programs, get all the Texas programs, SMU, Baylor, Texas Tech, TCU, get Oklahoma State in there as well and have like a Red River conference whilst sticking the fingers up to Texas and Oklahoma and saying, you go to the SEC and we'll just we'll just have a conference in you know the heart of college football in the US and see see if the Longhorns and, and the Sooners still, you know, back that decision to, to chase the money in the SEC. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the, the ideas I come up with after I've had a drink. <laughs> I should drink more often. I'm going to start putting gin on my cornflakes. Right, this is the bit where I, I stop talking because, uh, Ash, you are our recruitment guy. There's loads to go through, so I'm going to stop waffling on and let you tell us what's going on. There is, yeah, there is quite a bit to go through. There wasn't up until today, but the more you look into recruitment, the more you, you find commitments that aren't that aren't mentioned on the big on the big news front. So there's 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 a handful of pieces this week relating to 2022 and the 2023 class. First up is four-star wide receiver CJ Williams from the 2022 class, the number 11 wide receiver overall, has committed to Notre Dame. He has chosen the Fighting Irish over Texas, Clemson, and a number of other programs. That's a big coup for Notre Dame. They uh, they they regularly recruit well, but uh, to get to get a, one of the top wide receivers in the in the recruitment classes is, is a real good pickup for them. Sticking at wide receiver, and this is a decommitment, a decommitment for LSU. Four star wide receiver AJ Johnson um, has reopened his recruitment uh, with a rumored double digit offer list already on the table. Not the best of times for LSU in their 2022 class, because if you remember last week, we spoke about the five-star defensive back Jacoby Matthews was also decommitted. So that's two of their top names for the 22 class decommitted in the space of a fortnight. On the plus side for LSU, though, the 2023 class, they have picked themselves up as it stands at the moment, a commitment from Amorian Miller. Uh, He is the first commit of the 2023 class for LSU. And he's one of the first commits for any program for 2023. There's only been, I want to say, half a dozen to a dozen commitments for the 2023 season. So for for LSU to already pick themselves up, one of the top wide receivers in that class is great. And it will take a little bit of uh, salt out of the wounds for the losing AJ Johnson and Jacoby Matthews, even if it is a year later. I just feel like this would be the most stressful job in the world, being in charge of recruitment. Oh, definitely. You know, when you make, you know, if you're an NFL general manager and you make the call, all right, Eli Manning, I know that's a different situation, but you make the call and you say, you're going to play for this franchise. You put the phone down, you've done your job, you've done the scouting and the guy's there. College football recruitment, you could recruit the number one guy in the country, but there's no chance for you to rest because any moment they could reopen the commitment. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a juggling game right up until the moment Penn is on paper. And to be honest, even then, it can still change. They they may well sign a letter of intent, but 
until they are officially enrolled and on campus and commit fully signed on to the the, the university or, or the college that's it it's, it's still a it's still open open season so it's yeah i i would i would not like to be in the recruitment process i would that's a lie i'd love to be in the recruitment process if i had the option well you just wouldn't be able to rest like you you wouldn't be able to sleep at night no not at all not at all full on all the time few more bits of news relating to uh, a couple of teams first being back to the 2022 class the number three interior lineman addison at nichols has announced his commitment to tennessee volunteers He's chosen the, the volunteers over USC and Ohio State. So that is a massive pickup for the Tennessee program, who in recent, well, the last season and, and, and so far in this preseason have, have had a torrid time with coaching changes and players transferring. So that's a real good pickup for them to, to be able to pick up Addison Nichols. Sticking on the offensive line, four-star offensive tackle Jalen Early has committed to Florida State. He had over 20 offers from different programs, including Ohio State, Texas A&M and Georgia. He has uh, put his commitment to Florida State for the 2022 season. And again, much like Tennessee, that's a really good pickup for Florida State to, to yeah. beat out some of those other programs. And you think about the, the last couple of years have been rough for the Seminoles and it, it just seems as though things are, things are slowly getting back to, to what we expect, which is... A desirable program to go and play for. Yeah, exactly, and that and, that, that, and that's all the fan base wants. Though it wasn't that long ago that they had uh, Lamar Jackson under centre, the guy who's going to be getting a statue, and it's not gone. Uh, it's not gone over. Oh, sorry, that wasn't Florida State, was it? Um, Jameis Winston. Sorry, Jameis Winston isn't getting a statue, but it wasn't that long ago that Florida State had him under centre, and it hasn't gone over well since that time. So, yeah, well done to Mike Norvell. I mean, he, he seems to have gone in and. You know, stripped everything down to the bare bones, and he's and he's building it up again. And and to see teams like Georgia, Texas A and M in the SEC, but then also, of course, Ohio State as well, beating out those programs to to a commit like Jalen Early is is going to be a confidence boost for the program. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Nor Norvell's done a, an unbelievable job so far, and I'm very intrigued to see how his season goes this season because they've got another year with him. Uh, a lot of players are returning. They're starting to get used to his 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 way of work and his 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 um, offensive and defensive books. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting for them this season. Last piece of recruitment news is in relation to the 2023 class, and it is number 33 overall. McCarty Lemon has announced his commitment to the Oklahoma Sooners. The five-star athlete. So he is cornerback wide receiver. He's not committed to a position yet. He played both at high school. So he is uh, referred to as an athlete at this stage. Has chosen Oklahoma over USC, Alabama, Arizona and Arizona State. Unsurprising that he's gone for um, Oklahoma, but possibly over Alabama, but not, not so much over the other programs. No. And, you know, as... I know it's still too soon. I mean, but, but, but for McCarter then, and if he, if he joins in 23, then... He could be that, playing in that first class that, that is the first team to play in the SEC. And I do think that that's going to be another reason to consider play, playing with the Sooners. If, if, if they're going to be playing, I mean, the, the main reason not to go to Oklahoma is you wouldn't be playing in the SEC. Exactly. But, you know, if everything being well, that, that will no longer be the case. And, and it's even more of a pull to go and play for Lincoln Riley. And especially if you go as a, you know, if, if, if he goes as a cornerback, if you can, if you can dominate wide receivers in the SEC as a cornerback, 
you're going to the NFL, no problem. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're playing for Alabama or not. I mean, you look at oh, his name's escaped me. He, he's playing for the Panthers. JC Horn. JC Horn loved his tape. Loved how he dominated receivers. I mean, the only the only receiver he couldn't stop was Kyle Pitts, and Kyle Pitts was bordering on superhuman last year. So, if, if you're a cornerback and you can if you can make it work, if you can dominate in that conference, well, you you, you go into the NFL, no questions asked. Right, Ash. I just mentioned a tight end in, in Kyle Pitts. We're going to be talking about our plant your flag tight ends for this year. You chose Kyle Pitts. Looking back at that now, you'd say it was a bit of a no-brainer, but I remember being very clear in my mind that Pat Fryermuth was the best tight end in football when we when we chose those tight ends. But you, of course, I think it's safe to say, won that one. Um, the, the year that he had, an incredible year for him. Yeah, we all, I think we all knew his his talent and his potential, but I don't think many people saw that calibre of season coming out of him at Florida. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the best seasons we've ever seen from a college tight end. So rightly so, he was, he was drafted where he was with the Falcons, and I'm very excited to see him in the NFL. Now, this year, there seems to be a clear number one candidate. And if anyone is going to be the Kyle Pitts, um, it, I'm not saying that, that season is easily replicated. But if anyone is going to be that standout tight end, it's Jalen Weidemeyer of Texas A&M. Because he was quite clearly the, the standout number one, Ash, we've, we've agreed, sort of a gentleman's agreement, that we won't pick him tonight as our plenty flag tight end. I don't think we can expect Kyle Pitts' levels of production from Weidemeyer, but a great all-round talent. Uh, he had over 300 run blocking snaps last year. So you're getting a bit of everything from him last year, over 500 yards and six touchdowns. And when you consider how much time he's spending as a run blocker, as well as a pass catcher, some impressive numbers as well. So he, I think we agree is our, is our consensus. Number one. Yeah. Let's look at, let's look at some other guys starting with Trey McBride at Colorado state. I mean, just picking, picking four guys was difficult in itself. There is, this class is is actually quite exciting. I, I, I paid more attention to this tight end class than I did last year's one, but I would say on the face of it, there is a handful of guys that could challenge Weidemeyer for the for the top spot. I don't think he's as set as set in stone as as um, Pitts and Freyamuth were last season. And I think we've got four guys here starting off with Trey McBride, who is uh, entering his senior year with Colorado State. He is six four, two hundred and sixty pounds. In his career so far, he has caught 67 receptions for 890 yards and eight touchdowns. He sat out as a freshman in 2018. 2019, in a full season, he caught 45 receptions for 560 yards and four touchdowns. And then last season, in the reduced season for Colorado State, he caught 22 receptions for 330 yards and four touchdowns in four games. Now, it might be a surprise to hear that a 260-pound tight end is more of a receiving tight end than he is a blocking one. But that is exactly what McBride is. He is a receiving tight end with blocking ability. And it is in the passing game that he has been really impressive in his in his two seasons as a starter for Colorado State. He's a big play waiting to happen all across the field, whether that's in the red zone or, or in the middle of the field. He can demolish defenders in contested catches. He's got great hands and he, he just overpowers defenders with ease at times. And he's also a monster after the catch. He'll put defenders on their knees. He'll run through them they're like they're not even there. 
using his 260 pound weight behind him, but he's also got, he's deceptively quick for a guy his size. You just, he doesn't look 260 pounds. He looks, I'd say two, 200, 210. He looks like a wide receiver, but with a, with a, a tight end frame. What, what I find most intriguing about him is yes, he is predominantly a receiving tight end, but he is also effective in the blocking game. He can destroy a defender with his strength just as easily as he is, he is when he's running with the ball. What he does lack, though, is his overall blocking technique. It does need some refi- refinement because he can overextend himself. He'll look to hit and hurt a player rather than focusing on stopping that player. And he'll lose his assignment because of that. And that can obviously be a danger when you want your blocking tight end to be stopping a guy coming through. If he's going running to, to hit someone coming at him and he'll, he'll lose it he'll lose a guy and then his quarterback will take the brunt of it so his overall blocking technique needs improvement but I think that can come with with training for sure but overall he is as close to an all-round tight end at, at this stage as I think you're going to get and a big 2021 with Colorado State regardless of how they do as a team if he can have a big year I can easily see him coming out on top in the 2022 draft over and even over Widermeyer Really? Yeah, he's got all the makings to be a complete tight end. Everything that you want, just a little bit more focus on his blocking game, but he's devastating in, in the receiving game with his size and speed uh, and, and the way he can run through players is, is, is great to see. I'd recommend people go and watch his tape if they get a chance. Okay. I wasn't expecting you to say that he could go ahead of Wyndham. I mean, uh, Trey McBride is someone I need to see more of. Undoubtedly, need to see more Colorado State, clearly. Yeah. Not not a, not a program that we get to see a lot of otherwise, and so I wonder whether the program and the the competition that, that Colorado State go up against maybe people will point to that compared with Widermeyer playing in the SEC. I don't know. It's very true. You've you've got an SEC tight end that isn't Widermeyer. Um, he's in my fantasy football team actually, Jaleel Billingsley. Yes, on some some sound advice from a certain person, I'd like to add. You mean the person who was so drunk he couldn't remember picking Emery Jones? Yes, but when I was sober, I, I told you there was a couple of tight ends that you wanted to get, and <laughs> one of them is on this list, so pipe down. Yeah, so the other person we have is Jaleel Billingsley from Alabama. He is entering his junior year. And fun fact, I've got a fun fact on Billingsley. He is the first Alabama recruit from Illinois since 1997. Uh, the guy in 1997 taken... For the life of me, I cannot remember. I did look it up. It's someone Johnson. I'm not going to blame you. Mika Johnson, that was his name. Didn't get into the NFL. That's why I couldn't remember. But yeah, fun fact there. He is 6'4", 230 pounds. In his career to date, he has caught a extraordinary 20 receptions for 303 yards and three touchdowns. In his freshman year, he only caught two receptions for 16 yards. And last season... He only caught 18 receptions for 287 yards and three touchdowns. Of course, the Alabama offense, as we know last season and in 2019 in Billingsley's freshman year, was a powerhouse. There wasn't a great deal of room for Billingsley to make an impact. They were using their tight ends more so as blocking tight ends. That is not Billingsley's game. However, 2021, he has a real opportunity to carve out a significant role in this Alabama offense alongside John Metchie. And he is everything that you want from a receiving tight end that we see in, in modern football. He's incredibly athletic. He's, he's got a 6'4 height to go along with it. 
Alabama use him all over the field already. Just in those in those 20 receptions, he's had, I can't remember exactly how many snaps he's had, but he's been played on the inside, outside as a blocking tight end. He's even played in the slot. He's, he's used in a number of positions because his athleticism allows him to be. And I can see that happening in 2021 for, for Bama. Um, and as I say, he's also happy to throw himself into a block. And he has been impressive in the blocking game as a whole when, when called upon. In the limited fashion that we've seen in the receiving game, it has been impressive. He's got solid hands and contested catches. He rarely resorts to bringing the ball into his body. That is one thing that, that is a real... That is one thing that's really noticeable when you're looking at receiver and tight end tape is does a receiver take the ball into their body? Because if they do, that means they're not overly confident with their hands. Billingsley is the opposite from that. He he is solid with catching with his hands. You, and as I say, you, you rarely see him getting the ball into his body unless unless he's in a contested catch situation where it, where it calls to be taken in like that. He is slender in build, but that obviously equates to his incre- incredible athleticism, which I think NFL teams are going to be wanting to see from this sort of tight end. And in another interesting fact about him, he is even used as a kick returner in the game against Florida last season. Now, Bama have used a number of their tight ends as returners, but predominantly in the onside kick and the, uh, the scrib kicks. Billingsley was actually re- used in a proper kickoff return in the end zone and he took six kickoff kick returns back I believe so that just shows the athleticism and the speed that he's got for for being a tight end and still being used in the kick return game what I will say and it's obviously noticeable because he's only entering his third year and he's had limited production to date is he is a relatively raw prospect but he has impressed from what we've seen so far and that is why the hype on him is so big everyone is expecting a breakout year from him and I think if he does break out and he does have a solid 2021, he will push himself up towards the top end of this draft if he decides to declare. Obviously, he can wait until 2023 when he is officially due to, to come out of college. But as we know, top recruits usually come out a year before. Billingsley with a big year will 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 be coming out in 2022. Everything is pointing towards him being better than, than his recent predecessors, OJ Howard and Irv Smith Jr., in my opinion. And Bill O'Brien is now in town as the offensive coordinator. And we know how much he loves a tight end. Didn't have the best time in Houston, but for Patriots and back in his college days, he was known for for bringing up tight ends. So I think Billingsley this season is in a perfect scenario. I agree. A a gap is there. I mean, it's not often that we talk about an Alabama tight end as somebody who you want to be looking at the top of your draft boards. Um, just because usually the the talent is on the line or at receiver and, and tight end sometimes seems to to go by the wayside. But for Billingsley, it seems to be that the opportunity has arisen. Like you've said, Ash, the, the numbers aren't there for him yet. We're, we're sort of waiting and hoping on the potential that we've seen. It could, it could be a big year for him. It could be a big year. I, I guess that some of his fellow classmates have had a lot more experience and and that may be something that costs him when it comes to it yeah i'd say so yeah the the, the limited involvement to this to to this date it will be a factor but i think if we've seen players with one year of solid production uh, exceptional top tier production go high and billingsley is well within his right with the, with the skills that he's already shown that he, that he can be one of those players 
Okay, so I'm going to talk about my first tight end. This is somebody whose skill set is undoubted. I believe that Charlie Kohler is going into his fifth year at Iowa State. Six foot six, 245 pounds. Famously, Ash, he flipped a coin to help him make his decision as to whether or not to declare for the 2021 NFL draft. And it was quite the shock when he decided that he was staying with the Cyclones for his fifth year in the college game. He was runner-up alongside Jalen Widermeyer for the Mackey Award, awarded to the best tight end in, in college football. So he, he has the pedigree and he has the, the tape to back it up. The Cyclones were great in 2020. It didn't seem to go Brock Purdy's way, but Charlie Kohler certainly had a solid year. He ended the year on 591 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. And, and really had his best game of the year in the Fiesta Bowl defeat to Oklahoma. There was one outstanding catch as, as the, the Cyclones were trying to get back into the game. Now, with another year of production under his belt, he's going to be one of the, the most polished candidates if you're looking for a tight end in the NFL draft. And he can do a little bit of everything. He can pass catch, he can block. The only thing is he will be 23 upon entering the NFL. And, and some might see this as a... As a, as a late start, yes, he had an early breakout age, but entering the league slightly older, some teams may be unsure, shall we say, as to, as to whether to, to take the risk on him. I, I say a risk. I mean, the, the, the stats are there, Ash. You know, he's had over 100 receptions in college football, for over 1,400 yards and 17 total touchdowns. So, you know, this is a guy here, Charlie Kohler, who can do a little bit of everything and the numbers are there to back it up. Yeah, they definitely are. I, I, I... As you said, everyone was very surprised not to see him come out in, in 2021. And I think if he had it done, he would more than likely have been the third name off the board uh, and maybe even pushing Freya move, to be honest. Freya move didn't have the best of years last year and, and, and Collar did. And I, I generally believe that maybe the Steelers might have even gone in that direction if he decided to come out, but we will never know. He's one of the most well-rounded because of his because of his career to date and the and the, the usage he's already had for, for Iowa State. And we've seen how good he is in the receiving game, but he's also above he's an above-average blocker. And NFL teams always look more kindly to a player that can block, uh, the tight end that can block as well as they can receive the pass. We do see in the modern day and age, the young tight ends that come into the game being predominantly a receiving tight end, but they, well, they will, of course, all be called into blocking as well. So it's good to see that, that Collar has that if needed. Um, he hasn't got the most strength, uh, but what, what you do see when he is in the blocking game is he does, he tries and he knows what he's supposed to be doing. He's a very intelligent player all round. Uh, and that, that probably comes from the fun fact that I had for him is that he's majoring, majoring in mechanical engineering. So, and he'll get his, he'll get his, his degree. Yeah, he'll de- get his degree. He's leaving as a senior as well. So he's obviously got, uh, got that back up if it doesn't work out. But you can see he's a smart player for sure uh, that that comes across uh, when he's on the field. We're now moving on to a, a different tight end. Uh, Isaiah Likely, senior, Coastal Carolina, 64245. So he, I'm trying to look now. I think he's the, the shortest of our tight ends. I suppose that Billingsley, yeah, and Billingsley's, you know, ever so slightly lighter as well. The thing for Isaiah, likely, I mean, you know, the the lack of size might point as to why he 
landed at Coastal Carolina rather than with a different program. Because two four five in the NFL, I think you'd probably need to to, to continue to put weight on uh, unless you were to be used creatively. Um, and and that is something you can do with Isaiah Likely because of his speed. I mean, you can you can you can see on on Coastal Carolina's tape from twenty twenty. I mean, they were great to watch. They were the surprise package of of college football in twenty twenty. And and a big part of it was the ability of Likely at tight end to. To, to make catches on those intermediate routes and, and also get some yards after the catch as well. He had 600 yards and five touchdowns last year from just 30 receptions. You know, so this is somebody who has been relied upon to get some serious yardage in the passing game. Now, he played hurt last year. He did only miss one fixture. Um, so he, he certainly showcased his toughness. Now, there was rumours, actually, that he may be planning an, a corrective procedure in the off-season. I haven't heard as to whether he has had that. Either way, you would hope if he didn't require the procedure, then all is well. And if he does, then you hope he, he makes a, a full recovery prior to the season starting. In terms of his athleticism, I don't think you can... Oh, here come the connection issues. Here come the connection issues. Who is it, Ash? Is it me or you? I think it's you. You're jittering up quite a bit. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Listeners, I can only apologise. Uh, let's blame the storms. There aren't any storms going on, but we can pretend there are. Let's blame the storms. There are storms outside and the internet's rubbish. Isaiah Likely, 600 yards last year, considering he was playing hurt. Ash, I mean... You know what I'm going to say about about a tight end of this size and this athleticism. You're not going to get the blocking abilities that you might get from a Charlie Collar. So those are your choices, Ash. You've got two very different tight ends there. You've got your sort of traditional meat and potatoes do it all with a track record, or you've got the, you know, the I don't know what we would call it, the wild card option maybe in in terms of the athletic. Tight end that, that that hasn't quite got that blocking ability. Yes, yeah, easy one for me. He, he is my one of my top tight ends outside of Widermeyer and, and McBride. But I'm going to go with Isaiah Likely. I I love his tape. I've loved everything I've seen. I will agree. His blocking game needs work. I think Coastal have used him at times in the blocking game, but I think they've already identified that's not his strength. That's not what they want to use him for. And I think NFL teams will highlight that relatively quickly as well, um, and uh, we've mentioned it numerous times. There is a re- there is a, there is a position of a receiving tight end in the NFL game. Yes, you don't need both aspects of it, but he can do it when called upon because he's a smaller stature and he's so athletic. He doesn't have that weight and size really to be physical. Regard, despite the fact that he, he is very physical in contested catches. He can get moved around with relative ease in the blocking game, but that's not what we're looking for, for for Likely. And he, much like McBride, I'm incredibly excited to see his 2021. And I think if he has a good 2021, he's going to be right up there in conversation for the number one tight end. And I am more than happy to be planting my flag next to him. What about you? You have got the choice of the Trey McBride, the aforementioned Trey McBride, or the more... Raw prospect, but possibly the most exciting out of all of these players, and the, but the most unknown of Jaleel Billingsley from Alabama. I'm doing this purely for selfish reasons because I know I'm going to see some Billingsley when I'm watching SEC football this year. So if I was, if I was, 
if I was being lazy, I'd have picked him because it, I'd be watching SEC football anyway. That's my remit for writing this year. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to go slightly further afield and I'm going to go Trey McBride. And, and I wasn't going to, Ash, but the, the way in which you spoke about him and how highly you rated him as a prospect and, and, and saying that he could be the first tight end off the board made me think, well, I've got to go out and find out more about this guy and, and watch more of his tape. So I'm going to put, I'm going to put Trey McBride in at tight end. Nice. Yeah, good. I like that choice. These are the, I'd say these are my two favourite tight ends outside of Weidemeyer um, this year. So to see them as both of our plant the flags is uh, is great to see. And I'm, I'm excited for both of them. And we'll just very quickly go over our plant flag rosters. Now they are complete. So for Ash, Malik Willis, quarterback of Liberty. Kyron Williams, running back from Notre Dame. Justin Ross, wide receiver from Clemson. And Isaiah Likely tight end from Coastal Carolina. It'd be interesting to see Ross and Likely line up together because Ross is a big kid as a receiver. And then you've got one of the more one of the more athletic tight ends there. So I think uh, Malik Willis is going to be having a lot of fun in the slot there. I think so. well, it's, a, it's a very versatile group, isn't it? Malik Willis can throw and use his feet. Kyron Williams is a beast in the passing game as well as he's in the running game. Likely is the most athletic tight end that's technically a wide receiver you can see. And then Justin Ross is bordering on a tight end of his size in the way he plays. So a very, very interesting group. I'm very happy, actually, look at, looking back on it now. Um, there's none of those that I regret. and I'm excited to see them all this season. And my roster, Desmond Ritter of Cincinnati, quarterback, Zamia White, the Georgia Bulldog running back. Oh, I can't remember who my wide receiver was last week, Ash. SMU. Uh, yeah, Reggie Robertson. That's the one, Reggie Robertson Jr. of SMU. I don't know why I could remember SMU and not Robertson, but there we go. And then finally, Trey McBride of Colorado State. I mean, the Homer picker side of taking the, the Bulldog in, in Zamia White. I've gone for some programs that I don't watch as much of, and hopefully that will that will only result in good things. Watching more football, different teams, and hopefully learning a few things about these guys. Yeah, I think we've only got we've got one each inside a power five, haven't we? And the rest are all outside of the power five. So it's an interesting group this year compared to last. I think we've learned from last year. Look at us, hipsters to the end. <laughs> That is it for Plant Your Flag. The Titans are done and out of the way. It's two weeks or so, definitely two Saturdays, until college football is back. Ash can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be great. The summer's sort of starting to fade away into, into, into autumn. And when, when fall comes, so does college football. And Saturdays will soon be for rushing once more. Take care of yourselves, folks. Saturdays are for rushing too. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? 
purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.